get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. After tomorrow night's game, the Cardinals will have reached the midpoint of the 2021 season. And we thought that we would get a midseason State of the Cardinals interview with the president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak, who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Mo, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good morning. Were you sitting there in the seventh inning last night saying to yourself, man, where's this been? <laughs> Oh, a little bit, I suppose, right? I mean, it's it's just been such a frustrating month, and um, you know, you 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 would like to see us playing better baseball. You'd like to see more consistent offense. You'd like to see better starting pitching, and I, I mean, I think the narrative is is pretty much out there. Um, as I look back at at really the last five months or five weeks, I sort of think back to you know that initial trip when we were playing the White Sox and. Had a a tough start by Jack Flaherty, um, and then we had we lost Bader, and then along that that road trip, then we lose Jack Flaherty, we lose um, KK for a couple starts, and it it just sort of was this like spiral effect, and we just haven't really been able to stop that and, and really get on a a consistent roll, and I think. I think as you saw last night, it, it really does start with just getting some consistency out of, out of the, your starter and, and being able to get into a game and then allow the game to happen. Whereas I think on on Sunday you saw you know down already three nothing and, and it was almost like the air was sucked out of the room and and that makes it tough on your offense. I think it just adds a lot of pressure to your club to try to do more than it really needs to do. And I think Randy, you were on that Zoom yesterday, and I was just you know simply saying that. You know the easiest way to think about baseball when you're when you're spiraling is just look at yourself and just try to do what you're responsible for doing. If you do your job and we do it as an aggregate and become the sum of our parts, then we can have success. But when we're trying to do too much, push you know try to force the the the, the issue, I think sometimes you you end up having a having less success than you than you really want. And so, you know, look, I, I know we, we have some flaws. I know um, our depth is being challenged. But to your point, there's still a lot of baseball left, and uh, hopefully we can get this right. Mo, I want to circle back to what you said about the inconsistent offense. It's been really tough over the past month. And from where we sit on the outside, I think it's natural for people, for fans, for the media to want to point the finger at the hitting coach. You're on the inside. You have an intimate knowledge of this team. You see this process every day. So can you share with us what you're seeing with Jeff Albert and the current offensive approach that gives you confidence that the organization should stay on this course? Yeah, so... First, let's sort of take a, a, a big step back and, and think back to when we, we initially made the, the hitting coach changes and brought Jeff in. And one of the things that we felt we needed to do was, was modernize our use of, of modern analytics from a, a coaching standpoint as well as technology. And one of Jeff's strengths is to incorporate both of those into an organization and you know he was he was charged with trying to make sure that's being done not only at the big league level but throughout our minor leagues and i really feel like that's something that we have accomplished now that's great um in my opinion but um i think the fans and what you're getting at is this is a result 
minded business. And right now you're just not seeing the results on the field. And so what needs to sort of change? And, and one of the things I feel like when you look at Jeff and um, his, his other coaches that, that focus on hitting, I think really it's, it's making sure that the right voice is going to the right player. And, you know, we do feel like we have a diverse set of voices, so it's not just one person speaking. You know, Jeff has put together a very high-level curriculum that, you know, we want to see um, throughout our organization, but we certainly understand at the major league level, sometimes you got to zig and zag. And so creating a little bit more flexibility for players to, to really hear the voices that they feel will help them is probably the most important. So maybe the, way, the simplest way to think about it is if, if you're struggling in a class and you just don't understand what's going on, you go to the teacher and it still feels confusing to you. Sometimes you seek like a tutor or some other voice. And so we just want to make sure our players understand that if that's helpful for them, then that's fine. But, you know, ultimately we feel like from where we were to where we are today, we have improved our processes and we have improved the understanding of, of the modern game. Are you worried at all that it's too complicated for players to process? If they're if you're trying to find the right voices for them to comprehend it, do you have any concerns that it's too complicated? Of course, of course. I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're not blinded by the fact that we had a good a good April, um, started to slide in May, and then had a very tough June. But I, I think when 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 people just you know kind of pound the table to have someone fired or or uh, make change because they just feel if you do it, it's going to change your trajectory. I just, I just caution people in that thinking. And, you know, one of the things that this organization has always prided itself on is stability. Obviously we've had to make changes over the years, but um, you know, it's, it's a process that I do believe in. And I think we need in terms of, of tweaking it, changing it and improving it. Of course, we're open to that. Well, with that being the case, then, with processes improving and the Cardinals having a collection of good hitters, why has the offense gone on this slide? Why aren't runs being scored? Again, I think it, to answer it like just in a vacuum, it's not fair because, you, again, going back to just Sunday as you know, just an immediate thing, like all of a sudden you're down 3 nothing, and it's just like, here we go again. And so there's a mental side to this game that that also has to be thought through and, and I think, you know, the way we've been playing from all all aspects of the game has created frustration on all aspects of the game. So nights you pitch, you don't hit, nights you hit, you don't pitch, nights you you make the pitch and then you have an error. It's just you know, those are the types of spirals that happen when things aren't going well. Well, I have one more question about the process. As I'm sure you're aware, Tommy Edmond made some headlines last week when he said the team might not have done the greatest job making a pregame game plan and in-game adjustments. So from the organization standpoint, who's responsible for the pregame game plan and the adjustments? Is that on the coaching staff or the players? So I'm just curious, I guess, how does the team go about correcting that? Who's responsible for that? Well, I'd like to think that our, our pregame prep is, is beating the, the demands of, of what players need. Um, I do feel like they're, 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 like to your point, is something too complicated for someone versus is it, is it what they, for someone else, is it what they want to hear? You know, clearly, if there's someone that's not feeling comfortable with what we're providing, we certainly want to help. And, you know, obviously you'd prefer to hear about these things internally and not externally, but 
Um, if needed adjustments need to happen, we certainly are open to that. Mo, a lot of complaints to us about the Cardinals overestimating the pitching depth coming into the season. Obviously, nobody's got a second to Jack Flaherty. But looking at it now, as we sit here at midseason, going back to the beginning of spring training, did the did you and did we, because we were watching the same thing, did we overestimate the Cardinals' pitching depth? It's hard to say. Right? I mean, well, the answer is yes at the moment, right? Because we're not performing at the level we hoped, but you know, when you when you went into the season, we felt like we had five capable starters. Um, we thought people like Michaelis would be in the rotation consistently. We thought, you know, that fifth could either be filled out by uh, Ponce or a Gant or an Oviedo. Instead, all of those guys are in there. And then we've seen a lot of inconsistencies out of Carlos Martinez. And so, like, when you look back and say, like, what could I have done differently or we could have done differently? We probably should have added more innings to our group. But at the time, we felt like we had those protected. But now that we've seen how performance has come out, now that we've seen how some of these injuries have affected us, and to your point, you're not going to replace Jack Flaherty, no matter what you do. And so for when you lose your ace, you know, regardless of, of how deep you are, it's tough. And, and I think back to, like, you know, 2007, we open up the season, we lose Chris Carpenter to Tommy John after the opening uh, night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just really never recovered from that. And, you know, you look back to 2011 and we lose Adam Wainwright in spring training to Tommy John. And for a while, you know, we did scuffle. And, you know, we got hot at the end, and, of course, it became sort of a magical year. But And I'm not comparing the two here, but I'm just saying that, you lose someone like that, it's, it, 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 it is difficult, and especially if you're not super deep. Well, with that being said, Mo, what's the latest that you can share with us about Jack Flaherty's rehab? You know, I think it's one of those types of injuries that you have to be patient with. Um, you know, fingers crossed that uh, as we approach the All-Star break, he can start ramping up his, his throwing program, and, and maybe by the time we return from break, he starts to get cleared for, for bullpens. But um, in terms of when he's going to return, it's still a TBD. So even then, if he's cleared for bullpens after the break, we're talking August at the earliest then? Probably, okay. yeah. John Mozeliak with us on 101 ESPN. And Mo, I always push back, whether it's on social media or here, against the people that say that the Cardinals need to spend more money. Because you are 10th in payroll, and I make the comparison between the markets that are around you. And by the way, there's no comparison between the Cardinal payroll of the markets five ahead, five below. But that being said, you have not, and I think you'd agree, not gotten return on investment on some of the contracts that are coming off the books. So as you move forward, would you would it be fair for me to say that the Cardinals need to be more efficient in the in the way they spend their money? Yeah, it's sort of an odd comment, right, for me to say that. I mean, like we've had you know great ROI in some places, and we've had terrible ROI in others. I mean, and I think that's part of you know taking chances on contracts. But you know, having said that, um, you know, when you look at at like a Carlos Martinez deal, like most people thought that was you know, really great deal when it was originally signed. But what I try to always remind people is the reality is, is you really can't ever judge a deal until the deal's over. And, you know, it is hindsight. It is looking back, but, you know, clearly we would like to, to, you know, bat a thousand when it comes to the deals we do, but 
like like lots of people, we do make mistakes, and uh, we do try to minimize those and learn from them. And the reason I, I couched it that way is because I, I've always been told, and I agree with the idea that there are mistakes that the Yankees or the Dodgers can afford to make that the Cardinals, because you are running a business and you do have a budget, that the Cardinals can't afford to make. It it's just not apples to apples, right? You're, when you're when you're having that type of discussion. Most people feel it is apples to apples, but it's apples to oranges. And, you know, no matter how aggressive we want to be on payroll, we're never going to compete with, with those types of teams. And, you know, obviously the, the pipeline for us is what's driven our success over the last decade, and that means draft well, um, sign well in international markets, and then try to pick your spots in the free agent market and um, internal uh, extensions. So, um, again, I feel like you know, net net, we've done a pretty good job with that. But yeah, we've we've had some misses. There's no doubt about it. Well, Mo, I think most fans think that Nolan Arenado was in the hit column. People were very excited when he was acquired by the team, and and getting to know him in the first half of the season. One thing's clear is that this is a guy that loves baseball and he wants to win. So when the team goes through a rough stretch, I think a lot of fans look to that opt out and they get worried about that. What's your level of concern that Nolan Arenado might opt out? You know, I think he obviously does want to win, just like the rest of us. Um, he, I think he's enjoying his time in St. Louis. He would like to see us playing better baseball, but we all would. So, you know, as far as concerns go right now, I, I haven't had anything that, that makes me feel like that's going to be something that's triggered. But, you know, right now my focus is, you know, where this club is headed, what can we do to get it better, and you know, candidly, the draft in a week and a half. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll worry about other things later. But, you know, I, I think overall he's enjoyed his time here. But clearly this month, you know, can test anyone's patience. No starting pitchers have been traded during this season. I know that you've been in conversation with other teams, and you mentioned this yesterday in the Zoom. This is a difficult marketplace. It would seem just by looking at the results of all 30 teams, it seems like it's a difficult marketplace to make a deal in. Well, as I mentioned to you yesterday, it's, it's really a, a seller's market. So, you know, when you have so many teams that are trying to improve, when you have so many teams that believe they're in it, it's going to make it very difficult to, to find something that, that actually works for you that you can stomach the ask. And so, you know, one of the things that we've always prided ourselves in, and I mentioned it earlier, is just our pipeline and, and trying to make sure that, that the better players that we have coming up are going to get that opportunity to contribute here. Now, obviously, over the last few years, we have traded away some talent for, for that win-now mentality. And you know, I just have to caution people that, yes, we want to win now, but I don't know if we're going to do it at, at the price of, of, of losing one of our elite young players coming. Could you envision a scenario, Mo, and not that you have an awful lot to sell, but you cast your eyes toward 2022 because it, you've got a difficult hill to climb now to make the playoffs? Not yet. I mean, there's a lot of baseball left. I, I think, you know, the key for, uh, key for us over the next few weeks is can, can we get back to our winning ways? And if we are... You know, that's certainly going to change how we think about July 31st. I got two more things for you, Mo, and we do appreciate your time. Number one, 10 days ago, you did an interview with uh, Derek Gould, and the quote that you gave him was, we're not feeling the pressure if we don't win this year that we're all in trouble. We must understand that we can all do things better. We also understand that what we thought we were going to have because of injuries hasn't worked out yet. Is, is, 
the lack of feeling pressure, is that an organizational feeling? Is that a personal feeling? I just, I'd like you to expand upon those comments because people were surprised that you'd say, okay, we're, we're struggling, but we're feeling no pressure. I was meaning that in the sense of, of I've been here a long time. Um, I understand expectations in this city. I know what it's like. Um, but on a personal level, I'm not feeling like I'm going to be threatened with my job if things don't turn around because, you know, our ownership understands we're working tirelessly to find ways to turn it around. And so perhaps what I should have said is I feel pressure and we will do everything we can. But candidly, it's I'm always under pressure. I'm always under the microscope. And so but I'm I'm not taking it home to where I'm becoming anxious, depressed or or, you know, where I, I'm mistreating people because of my stress. Good. It's, the reality is, is like, you know, this is not my first rodeo, and I certainly want us to win. Um, I think people that work with me that are around me, they, they know what our goals are, but, you know, it's, there's, there's big pictures and there's small pictures, and right now I'm, I'm trying to focus on both. And the final thing was baseball is taking a lot of initiatives to make the the game more watchable. And your team at times, and it's in large part because they're not hitting, has not been particularly entertaining. Is Even if you win, if if the team wins in a less than entertaining fashion, is that something that you concern yourself with? Analytics, I'm not thrilled by watching guys try to get walks, for example. But if you win, does that solve every problem? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think when, when, when people are talking about making baseball more entertaining or more fun to watch, that's really at the 100,000-foot view, right? Um, of course, when you're, when you're boots on the ground, you, know, you don't care how you win. You just want to win, right? But reality is, is the game itself has to evolve to, to meet the, the, the desire of our fan base. And you know, that's a tricky question, too, because... There's a lot of people that love baseball just as it is, and there's other people that love to see baseball change. You start talking about rule changes, and you know you might as well just start talking politics because it's going to be very polarizing. And so these are not easy things to navigate, but I do agree that if we can find ways to, to make our game more enjoyable to a larger fan base, that seems to be very logical to me. Are you still eating lunch in the same seat that you did last year? <laughs> No, I haven't been up there. Um, obviously, very warm recently, yeah, yeah. but uh, no. Now that the uh, ballpark's opened and uh, you know, fans are welcome, I tend to stay in my office. All right, hey Mo, we always appreciate your time, and uh, the, the midseason state of the team is greatly appreciated. Thanks so much, and we'll see you soon. That sounds good. Thank you. Take care, Mo. That is the Cardinal President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak, on One Hundred and One ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.